Welcome to John Pro Meeting once again. This is a April meeting, and um, gonna lucky because we have a special guest speaker. Uh, we don't come here to join prayer meeting to listen to speakers per se, but it's just a special treat from the Lord when there is one, right? So um, really want us to uh, receive the word. Uh, let's really get excited about how God's going to speak through this person. He's a very special friend of ours. Also, he has a long history with New Philly for a few years. Spoke at different retreats and different services. He, uh, many young people call him Papa Rodney. Uh, many uh, people really look up to him as a man of God. And um, he uh, is a part of the leadership of IHOP Kansas City International House of Prayer. So let's welcome up Pastor Rodney Henderson. Amen. So it is a pleasure being here in this house. And I, I do, I, I count you as my friend. I count this as a house that, that uh, I know that I'm loved through. My family is loved in this house. We're received in this house. And uh, it's, uh, you're very special uh, to my wife and I. And uh, we rejoice of what the Lord is doing in this house and through you. And uh, another house uh, that's represented here today is a house in Malaysia. And uh, it's uh, the, the Yo family. Will you all please stand up? Just stand up. And... Uh, these guys are, are so awesome. I, I, they're, they're dear friends, and in their house, I, I know that uh, I, I feel like I'm home when I go to Malaysia, when I go to Penang Island. If you're in Penang, you need to go to this house of prayer. And uh, Josh, I want you to come up here and pray. Uh, pray for me, please. A quick story about Josh. We went in about four years ago to uh, minister. We took a team into, into his house. They, it was a young prayer house. Now they've been going five years, right? Just celebrated five years. And, and uh, we, we went into their house. And uh, I, I took one of the best worship leaders or keyboardists in the house. Actually wrote some of Misty's songs. And, and, you know, we, we're going in to help these guys. You know, we're, we're thinking, we're going in to really help. And uh, it was a midnight prayer meeting. It was to go all night long or go f- three or four hours, I guess. And, uh, and we're sitting there and Josh sits down at the keyboard. And as soon as he sits at the keyboard, he's going to start blushing on me. <laughs> and, uh, but as soon as he sat down at the keyboard, the power of God was ushered into the house. And, uh, and he started playing stuff on the keyboard. It was just like, we're going, whoa. And, uh, and, 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 and the, the young man that I had brought in, it was one of the best keyboarders at IHOP. He looked at me. He said, he's a prodigy. <laughs> he, he said, I can't do what he's doing. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, uh, but. The Lord has given us a love for, for Josh and the, the team at Pinhop, uh, for Caleb, for, for, his, for his parents. And uh, his parents, they, they're apostolic leaders uh, uh, there in uh, Penang and the, the region. And uh, I just, I love these guys. And so I, I, I want you to pray. I want you to pray out of Acts. Um, I've actually taken him to India. We've been to India together. <laughs> that was cool, wasn't yeah, it? Was yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to go back. <laughs> we don't want to go back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> would you pray out of Acts, uh, Acts 1 for, for this house, for the power of the living God in this house? And for, for, for us also? Yeah, from, from love to. Can we stand? Yeah. 
you know, we, in Penhop, we say we'll pray Korean style to me, we'll all pray together. But it's kind of like going to France. You don't order French fries in France. So we're just going to pray. Let's just all lift our voices as I, as, I, as I pray for us. All right, can we do that? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Father, release the promise of the Father upon this house. God, we ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit. Father, that everyone who comes under the authority and covering of this house, Father, that they would walk as sons and daughters, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, God. Father, we ask, just as you did in the book of Acts, and even more, Father, would you release, God, a mighty outpouring of your spirit in this place. Father, that you would raise up, God, mighty men and women, those who would call upon your name, those who have their hearts set on one thing, those whose hearts are set on God. Father, we ask, God, that you would give them a place of deep intimacy, Father. Father, that in that place, God, great power would be released and great grace would fall upon this house. Father, we ask for the leadership in this place, God. Father, would you release the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, God. Father, that the eyes of their understanding would be open, God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would download blueprints from heaven, God. Father, over this nation, God, I ask for influence to be released upon Pastor Christian, God. Father, upon his leadership team, God. Father, that there will be prophetic voices in this hour of transition in this nation, God. God, I thank you for the privilege that it is tonight to join my heart, God, with my brothers and sisters here in Korea. Father, it's not by chance, God, that Malaysia is the only nation in the world that can get into North Korea without a visa. And Father, tonight it's a privilege to join in our prayers, to join our hearts, God, to ask God that you would move. Do what is in your heart, God. We don't have to convince you, Father. Do what is in your heart, God. We come as your sons and daughters and we ask, God, that this house would walk in power. This house would walk in authority. But most of all, this house would walk in intimacy, God. And Father, tonight we pray for Ronnie, God. Thank you for the heart of the Father that rests upon this man. Father, thank you for the words that come forth from his mouth, God. Father, thank you, Lord, that when he speaks, God, he doesn't just preach, Father. He represents the heart of the Father to us. And God, we ask for every heart to be opened in this room. God, we ask, God, that we will come as sons and daughters receiving manna from heaven today, God. Father, pray, we pray right now that you release angels all across this room, God, to minister to the heirs of salvation. Thank you, Father, for your anointing that rests upon Rodney. Father, may your word go swift, swiftly and accomplish all it's set out to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, 4 and 5, verse, and, and also verse 8. I want to read this before I, before I began. And it, it says, And Jesus, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, He, ye have heard of me. For truly, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days from now, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be my witnesses and to, to me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This is a this is a statement. It's, it's a purpose statement in the book of Acts that we can see unpacked through as we look at the entire book of Acts. I mean, here in the beginning, it says, "I'm going to release power to be my witness," and it will go from start in Jerusalem, and then it will fan out into Judea, into Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth. It's a purpose statement. And it's what the Lord did. We unpack and we look at what takes place all through the book of Acts. But you're a continuation of that story. You're a continuation of this power being unleashed here in Korea or wherever you're from and to the uttermost parts of the world. But the dynamic here, the key thing here is God releases power over us that we might be a witness you know, when God releases power, it's not just for us to have power. 
but it's for us to be a witness. That there be a witness of power. When he releases signs and wonders, it's unto salvation. It's unto revival. It's unto change. It's unto to breaking the power of the enemy. It says that Jesus says, I came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He, he wants us to have power. Now, I just want to confess to you, I, I, I really, uh, I don't know how to say this. It, it's one of those things where I've encountered and experienced the power of the living God. But I want more. And I find that I'm so inadequate in the place of walking in the power and anointing of God. And I'm so hungry for more that I can step in and at any given time hear the voice of God, walk in his power and see his activity, that things would change, that people would come into the Lord at any given time. And I believe this is what we're void of in the church. That we've seen it, we've touched it, we've heard it, but we, we need more. We need to touch the very depth of who God is and what he wants. And, and I believe it's an unleashing of more power. I believe this is what we're lacking. I think God's waiting on us. To be honest, even in this place of reconciliation with North Korea. He says, I want my people to be filled with the power of the living God. That we might be a witness. When those walls come down, I want us to be shining lights with power. Now, we, we all enjoy what power we do get, right? We, we enjoy when we actually play in the power. We, we, we see the power come upon us and things happen. I, I remember I had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit more than... Probably uh, two months and a revivalist came to, to our house or came to our city, to our church. And, and uh, I, I never prayed for anybody before. And this is 20-something years ago. And this guy preached a crazy good message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the altar was full. And so they invited me to come and pray for people. And I said, okay, this is good. I, I didn't know what to do. And the, the guy said, he said, just pray. Say, receive thy Holy Spirit. And in those days, we didn't call it Holy Spirit. We call it Holy Ghost. And, and so tonight, I'm going to refer it to Holy Ghost. I, I, don't you like that better? Holy Ghost. I mean, the KJ version, it, refer, say, it talks about receive the Holy Ghost. I like that better. I remember the first person that taught whenever they were explaining what happened to me after I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They said, well, you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I said, well, the Holy what? I mean, I got a little scared. The Holy Ghost? Oh, come on. But after I started reading it in the KJV version, it says Holy Ghost everywhere. So I want the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. But I remember that day. And he said, pray that they would receive the Holy Ghost. And I'm thinking, here goes nothing. And, and so, you know, I lay my hands. And I, before I ever get the, my hand on the person's forehead, two of them, there was fire, literal fire come out of my hands and knock them back about two feet. And I'm sitting there going, what was that? <laughs> and I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm sitting there going, I want that. But, you know, we, we've all got stories. If we've ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit of what God has done. But I want you to know, I, I am hungry. I, I feel empty that I have not, I've not got enough. Because it, it only happens Occasionally. We may pray and nothing happens. I said, but Lord, if I was the Lord, there'd be a great witness if you did this this time. If you healed this person with cancer, how many people would get saved? So I'm always reasoning with God. If you would do it, God, you'd get glory and honor. And nothing happens. You know what I mean? But I, I, I believe there's a time coming 
that we as the church will be able to walk in the place of fullness. And every demon will bow to the name of Jesus. Every disease will bow to Jesus. Oh, I believe that there's coming a time of great revival, like the 1907 revival or the revival at Azusa Street, where, where there'll be floods of living fire poured out. But I, sometimes I, I wonder if we, we don't take it too lightly. And, and I believe that the Lord wants us to really understand the dynamics of the Scripture com- concerning being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, I really want to spend some time talking about certain Scriptures concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit and unpack certain Scriptures and give you certain questions that you can actually help others understand the dynamics of receiving the power of God. And uh, one of the interesting scriptures I find is in Romans 8, and being that it's Easter, it talks about the resurrection power that's in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and I. I I believe this is a a proper message to give today. Because there's a resurrection power that we're going to celebrate about tomorrow that's in you and I. Resurrection power that resides in you and I. And I believe that God wants to release this power through you and I. Resurrection power through the Holy Ghost. Let's look at some things here. Now, in Acts 8, I want to just ask this question. What does it mean to receive the Holy Ghost? Acts 8, it says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, as Philip had given it, they sent down to them Peter and John. Who can, and, and he prayed, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For it had not yet fallen on any of them, But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they laid their hands. I want you to get the picture. Now, Peter and John, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. I want you to get this picture. Philip, after after Paul and and the, the, the people killed Stephen... The apostles or the disciples were driven outside into different parts to spread the gospel. Philip goes down to the Samaria area that wasn't very well liked by the the Jews. He, He goes down. He begins preaching the gospel. The power of God comes upon uh, the words of Philip. The people see signs and wonders. And they, 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 they take heed. They take heed. The scripture says they take heed to what Philip said. And they receive Jesus. Word gets back to Jerusalem. Peter and John is dispatched to go down. And when Peter and John gets down to Samaria, they call the people in. They lay hands on them. And they're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, when the apostles, now, I have a question. Were the Samaritans already converted at this time? This passage raises the question of whether the Pentecostal understanding of the baptism of the Holy Ghost has a good basis here. And what I mean by the Pentecostal understanding is that the baptism of the Holy Ghost Is simply the view that there is a definite experience of the Holy Spirit to be sought and enjoyed after the conversion that is different from the indwelling of the Spirit that comes when we get saved. And and then the the dynamics of speaking in tongues after that. You know, there have been many non-Pentecostals who agreed that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a distinct second experience, but not necessarily accompanied by tongues. People like A.J. Gordon and Reuben Torrey, Dwight Moody, 
Charles Finney, they all agree with this, that there's a second work of grace that takes place called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, those who believe that that, there is a distinct second experience. We see this and we we got certain things. Let's look at certain things here in this Acts 8 to support this position. In this passage, the Samaritans, they seem to be already converted. That's the first experience. And yet there is an experience of the Holy Spirit that they don't have. Something they're lacking. They, they, they get touched by Philip's teaching. But there's something lacking that takes place when Peter and John comes down. Verse 15 says this. That Peter and John came down from Jerusalem and they prayed for the Samaritans. That they might receive the Holy Ghost. For it had not fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized. Look at this. In the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd already been baptized. After their salvation. But they hadn't been baptized yet. With the Holy Ghost. So it's obvious that they're missing something. The, the Spirit had not fallen on them yet. They've not received Him. Now, but in spite of, the, of this lack, they seem to be genuine believers. I mean, they had really had something. Their life had changed, but they didn't have no power. Now, not everyone agrees with this, okay? I want you to know that there's many different sides. Not everyone agrees with this. But many think that the Samaritans were not true believers before, before Peter and John came down to pray for them. Uh, there, and there's good arguments. There can be some good arguments here on both sides. Some suggesting that the Samaritans were not yet true believers. But some suggest that they were. Now, I want to give you a couple of clues here that they were. And then I'll give you a couple of clues that they weren't. Okay. Okay, for example, here are some of the clues. In verse 6, it says that they gave heed to what was said by Philip. That same phrase is used in Acts 16 in verse 14 where, where, where Lydia comes into account. It says the Lord opened Lydia's heart to give heed to what the Apostle Paul said. So giving heed... To what a gospel preacher says seems to be something that is genuine because it's possible uh, because the Lord opens her heart. Second, verse 8, it says that they were experiencing much joy. Those in Samaritan, they had the holy joy upon them. They were experiencing much joy. Like the Ethiopian we see in Acts eight thirty nine. Then we see in verse 12 that they believe Philip. It says they believe Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of the Lord Jesus. Here we see they're, believe, they're believing. They're, taking, they're trusting. They're believing in the preached word of the God. Then in verse 16, it says this. It says that they were baptized in the name of Jesus. For me, that's good enough. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. All these things suggest the Samaritans were true believers. When Peter and John came down to lay their hands that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And in many, many uh, commentaries, they, they agree with that. That yes, they were saved. Now, but on the other side. On the other side, there, there, there's three reasons that commentaries make that, su- that, that su- suggest that they were not saved. Verse 12a says that the Samaritans believe Philip instead of believing the gospel. And many people make a, they, they create a tension right here. They say, no, they, they didn't really believe in the Lord, they believe Philip. Then in verse, then it also says that Simon the sorcerer is also said to believe. 
And yet, there's indications that, that he, he really wasn't saved as Peter rebukes him. And, and, and so there, there were many different things on both sides. And uh, we, but uh, I, I want to come to bring a conclusion back into a place of uh, that some people believe that it's actually normative. In other words, there, we can't necessarily discern the difference. It's not normal. And what takes place in the book of Acts is not normal in every situation. But I want to ask a different question. Some of this is kind of confusing. To me, I think I understand. But, but I believe that there's another question we need to ask. How is receiving the Holy Spirit portrayed in the book of Acts? How can we, how can we make sense of all this? How is, it, how is receiving the Holy Spirit portrayed in the book of Acts? The approach I want to take this evening is I want to come to the issue of the baptism of the Holy Spirit indirectly by asking what, what we can know with a good deal of certainty about receiving the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. I believe that the key premise in Acts concerning the Holy Spirit baptism is that it's experiential and it's not inferential. And, and what I mean by that is, I, I believe that when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can know that it's an experience. It's an encounter. And we can know that we've been touched, that we've been baptized, that we can lay hold of the Holy Spirit, that there's changes and there's power in our life. That it's experiential and not inferential. And uh, what I mean is that it's not just a logical inference that, that you know has happened because of another act. So, so often we, we come, come at, people will say, well, you, you, you got the Holy Ghost because you believed. Because whenever you received Jesus, you got the, everything. But that's not necessarily what we see in the book of Acts. We see the people getting saved, but then we see... A second act of grace called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, but many people th- say it's inferred because if you got saved, automatically you got it. Am I making sense tonight? Instead, this, I, I believe that we need to look at some of the experiences of how things are unpacked here. One of my favorite passages is in Acts 19. I think this might bring a little clarity of what I'm trying to say. The situation here is that Paul has come down to Ephesus and found that there were some disciples, uh, as it turns out, only knew of the baptism of John and had not been baptized into the name of Jesus. And Paul, he detects something's wrong and he breaks everything wide open. And he, by asking one question, and he asked this question. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Now, I like the KJV version. He says, it says this, did you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed? Did you receive... The Holy Spirit, when you believe. Now, he's asking a question. Let me read the whole thing. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not heard of the Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, then unto what baptism were you baptized? And they said, what? John's baptism. Then Paul said this, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is Christ. 
And when they heard this, it says that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, salvation. And then it says Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Ghost came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now, this question that Paul asked is a remarkable question. For contemporary evangelicals who have been taught that by and large that the, the way to receive the Holy Spirit was, was because you were a believer. We've been told that you can know that you have the Holy Spirit because all who believe have the Holy Spirit. That's a logical inference. Inference. For, so if you want to know if you have something, if, if you had the Holy Spirit, we would ask a different question. We would say, have you believed? And if they said yes, then you've received the Holy Spirit. But that's not what Paul's saying. Paul is saying something totally different. He's not asking if they believed. He's saying, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Two separate things. If, if we re- assume we believe, we don't assume that we receive the Holy Spirit. And this is how Paul talks. When he asks, did you receive the Spirit when you believe? He expects that the person has received the Holy Spirit, that they know it. He's asking a question. What happened? And he's wanting to know that they know what happened. And so often in the evangelical world, they say, yeah, of course we received the Holy Spirit. We got saved. Wrong question. Wrong answer. No, tell me your encounter. Tell me what happened. Tell me about the power that came upon you when you received the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? See, the, see so often we, we say that we received something, but we really didn't receive anything. And, and right now, it's this issue that the church is powerless. Because they've not received the Holy Ghost. Yes, they're saved. They're forgiven of their sins. But they're not being a witness to the nations through the power of the Lord that should work through them. Have you received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost? Have you had an experience of a second work of grace in your life? That's changed you. That's empowered you over the sins in your life. It's possible some of all Luke's ways of describing the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's seven phrases that Paul uses. Or the book of Acts uses. It says the Holy Spirit is being given. The Holy Spirit has fallen. The Holy Spirit's coming upon people. We see this. And the Holy Spirit's being poured out. Don't you like that? People receiving the Holy Spirit. People being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. All these are terms that's ta- it's experiential that, that talks about an experience that has happened upon those who have been touched by God. At Pentecost, there was speaking in tongues and praising the mighty works of God. These are experiences. In Samaria, there's something so obvious such an experience that Simon the sorcerer saw it and he was amazed and he wanted to buy the power that he might give the Holy Spirit away. I mean, he saw this experience in Caesarea, in Caesarea at the house of Cornelius. They were speaking in tongues and praising God, supernatural praising of God that took place because of this encounter. In Ephesus, where Paul found these disciples, they were prophesying, speaking in tongues. 
at Paul's conversion, when Paul gets knocked off the horse, there's extraordinary boldness and empowerment that takes place. In Acts 5, 32, Luke says that God gave the Holy Spirit for in the place of obedience. I mean, there's, there's supernatural obedience and boldness that takes place. Luke expects a real, identifiable experience. Evidence, power, something taking place as we're filled. Just that promise. And even, even let's go to that promise that we first talked about in Acts 1. Think about that promise. Jesus says, go, wait in the upper room. Wait in Jerusalem. And to the power, to the promise of the Holy Ghost is poured out upon you that you might be witnesses in North Korea. Power to witness. Guys, this is it. There's something takes place. It's not inferred because we gave our life to Jesus. It's a, it's a second work of grace. Now, please hear me. There's nothing like our salvation. And I love, I rejoice in my salvation every day. But I also know that there's more. In Ephesians 5, in Ephesians 5, it, it talks about being, it says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Another way to say this is to be not intoxicated with the good things of the world, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And that word fill there is a continuation. It's a continue infilling. Listen, guys, you and I, this is our hope. We may have encountered, we may be received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we can be filled today. Tomorrow, a refilling. We're leaking vessels that has to get more and more. Oh, I want more. I have to have more. I've got a vision of power, not for my own sake, but for the sake of the people that I want to experience, that I want to encounter, that I want to walk in. And I believe this is the heart of the Lord. Now, I want to... I want to just share with you my experience of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And uh, I, uh, I was probably about your age for most of you. I was about 28. And uh, we had already had two kids and we were... Uh, <laughs> you guys are behind... You get with the program... And uh, and we were we were actually uh, on the board of directors of the church, kind of elders of our local church, and um, and we were we were doing quite well. We were in the I was in a Fortune 500 company. Uh, everything seemed to be going really good, but I had this issue in my life where they were these pestering sins, nothing major. I wasn't running out on Belinda. I didn't have that level of stuff going on, but they were sin. And it was, it was like little, uh, it was just biting me. I mean, I would be out on Friday night. I'd be with the guys drinking cold beer, uh, uh, watching, uh, football. And then Sunday morning, I'm holy, holy. Preaching, the, uh, teaching in Sunday school. And, and, and you know, I, there was something wrong with it. It just didn't connect with me. And, and I knew that it wasn't. And I loved the Lord. And I wanted to, to do everything that was His will with all my heart. I had this desire, but I had not no power to overcome. I'm kidding. I had no power over my tongue. Sometimes I still don't have power over my tongue. And, uh, and, but I had no power and he, and, but I, but nevertheless, I, I lived this life that was, um, I guess I, 
I would say one thing, I'd do another thing, and it, it just wasn't right. You know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and I really hated it. And, uh, and I remember um, uh, counseling a young man that worked for me. Uh, he, his name was J.J., and J.J.'s father was dying of cancer. And J.J. came to my, uh, he'd come in every evening, and he'd sit down, and he'd tell me the things on his heart, and I'd pray for him. And uh, I remember one day J.J. came in, and he said, it's okay. My dad just died. And I said, really? He said, okay. He said, yeah, he gave his life to Jesus on his deathbed. And he said, he looked up at me, and he said, J.J., don't live your life without serving Jesus with all your heart. He said, J.J., I'm going to be with him. And he dies. And I'm sitting there counseling this guy. And I'm, all of a sudden, I just blank out. And he was like, serve him all your life. Don't live your life without serving him with everything in you. And I'm, and I'm sitting there just, oh, I can't, I can't deal with this. And, and I remember going home that night. And I, and, I, and I began, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do nothing. All I could hear is, serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your might. And I'm going, well, I can't do that. I don't have no power. And I began calling out to God. And I said, Lord, if, if, you'll, if you'll lead me in this, I'll do this. If you'll lead me in this, but I can't do it. I need you to take leadership over my life. I surrender. And all of a sudden, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm kidding you, I couldn't sleep. And I'm laid in the floor, my living room floor, and all of a sudden, there was fire fell upon my body. It was like, it was like, it was like honey, like burning honey. And it was, and I'm going, oh. And I, for two hours, I laid in my living room floor. It's this hot oil was just going up and down my spine. And I'm going, what is this? I had no clue what was going on. I wasn't scared because it was very peaceful. But I was weird. <laughs> really weird. I mean, I'm, this is out of my comfort zone, you know. And, and so, and so I, the next morning I wake up and things were different. I mean, no, things were really different. I mean, before I told people I read the Bible, but it didn't make no sense. And, and all of a sudden, I opened it up and I said, wow, this is real. I mean, this is good stuff. And all of a sudden, there was a revelation of what it really meant. And it was the teacher. It was the Holy Spirit began teaching me the truth about what the Word says. Before that, I, I read it. Didn't know what I read. And, uh, and then, uh, and it was, it was so amazing. I, I remember, um, uh, God began revealing the cross to me about what Jesus did, really who Jesus was. And, and I remember being so overcome with a, with this dynamic of the revelation of who he was that, that every time I saw a cross, I began just weeping and crying. And, uh, I mean, I, I, it was uncontrollable. And, uh, and people thought I was going crazy. And, uh, I mean, I, I would literally be driving down the road, and I'd spot a telephone pole that looks like a cross. <laughs> and I'd start weeping and crying. Oh, this is my dad. And, 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 honestly, I would have to pull over. Belinda would have to drive. This, 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 I st- it stayed on me for six months. Six months, I'm weeping and crying when I saw a telephone pole. I couldn't go nowhere. My friends, I mean, I, I tell you the truth. It, you probably have never noticed, but every, almost every front door in America has what they call panel doors. And at the front, there's a cross. There's a cross. And I, I would walk up to knock on somebody's door. I'd see the cross. Oh! And I'd start weeping. They would open the door. 
they would open the door and they'd say, oh, it's okay. Or what's wrong? Oh, you know, a revelation. A few, Belinda, my friends, my friends came to Belinda. We're concerned about Rodney. She said, they said, all he does is talk about Jesus. Nothing else. Belinda was, she tells the story. She says, I was jealous. Because I enjoyed spending more time with him than her. And then the Lord gave me this, this crazy thing. He, he began getting me to have me wake up real early in the morning to spend time with him that I might be able to share with her. And when I shared with her, she said, yes, also. And the fire of God fell on her. And, uh, and uh, it was a, it's been a crazy adventure because we've both been filled with the Holy Ghost. My fr- now, my friend uh, that mentored me after that was a guy named Ronnie Jones, and he, he's kind of he's kind of an old Georgia boy that's kind of rough. And uh, and I, I I woke up one one day I was with him. I said, Ronnie, I said, let me tell you what happened the other night. I said, I'm not sure what happened. I said, but I was laid in my living room calling out to God. And this fire, this stuff started happening. And he said, Lordy, you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And like in Acts 19, I said, the Holy what? (laughs) You got to be kidding. And he said, no, 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 let me show you. And he began taking me through the book of Acts. He said, this is what happened to you. You've been endowed with power to bring witness of God's kingdom. Listen, for six months, I was a mess. A good way. <laughs> tonight, tonight, I'm going to ask you about the powers in your life. Are you assuming because you got saved that you've been clothed with what we've been talking about tonight? Have you had an experience with a living God? Or are you faking it? You get around a bunch of Holy Spirit people, you'll start faking it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Some of you may be faking this. But I want you to know this is real. If you've been faking it, get the real thing. Smith Wigglesworth. Have you ever read Smith Wigglesworth? Boy, a Holy Ghost preacher, healer. I mean, totally. But he was healing people, preaching the gospel, and wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. I think he was, but he says there's more. So he would stay awake until the night hours, calling out for the Holy Spirit. And there's one passage in his writing. He says, I finally got it. Have you finally got him? Have you finally been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Have you had an experience that marks your life for eternity? Have you got power to overcome your sins? To control your mouth? To break the power of pornography? Break the power of drugs and alcohol? Do you have power in your life to bring witness? Are you bold to pray for that person in school with you or in your workplace? Or are you scared that you're going to get fired? You know, when you get the Holy Ghost, you can't stop but being a light and release a fire wherever you go. Have you? How are you going to answer this question? Have you, have you received the Holy Ghost since you first believed? If not, 
Susie, can you come on back? I'm so serious tonight. I'm tired of a church void of power. We have to have the power, not for our own sake, but for the sake of the people. Scripture says that God, that David knew that God raised him up for the sake of the nations, for the sake of the people. God wants to empower you for the sake of the people. This is a time of play. This is a time of power. Have you received? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you first believed? Can you mark it as an experience in your life? He said, yeah, I did 20 years ago. No, not for you guys. Ten years ago. You're not as old as I am. Ten years ago. What about yesterday? What about today? What about today? Are you filled? Is your leaking vessel filled? I want to do it this way. If you've never received the Holy Ghost since you first believed, why don't you just stand? If you've never had that encounter that you can mark, just stand. Just stand. Amen. Just stand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's some in here that you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and stand too. If you've never received Jesus, stand. Jesus says, for all those who ask for the Holy Spirit, that he will give them this good gift if we call out unto him. It is a place of surrender. It is a place of surrender, just like I did that night. I said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I don't have the power. But I surrender and I give unto you. If you'll take over, you can have all of me. If this is what you're saying. The Holy Spirit says, yes. I want to gather a few of the ministry team around these. Just gather around these.